I'm Naomi Kilberth, Christian clinical herbalist, owner of Laurel Tree Wellness, and host of the Family Herbalism Podcast. Here on the show, I bring to you loads of helpful information and practical tips to help you on your natural health journey. We cover common and unique symptom pictures, underlying tissue states and the stories that lead to them, and so many tools that promote and restore wellness, not the least of which is plants. Thank you for joining us today. May you be blessed by the conversation and leave with hope and inspiration. Are you ready? Let's begin. Welcome back to the Family Herbalism Podcast. So today we're going to be focusing about illness prevention, which means putting ourselves into a place where we are ready to fend off any viral illnesses that might be around us. And we won't be talking about treatment, which is a whole other story, and we could devote a podcast episode specifically to that. But the irony of this is that when I decided I was going to focus my conversation around uh, illness prevention, that same night I actually came down with a 24-hour bug. So I'm not really sure what happened, but I had made that decision and then um, I went to bed that night and I just couldn't understand why I was feeling so achy all over and I knew I had gone for a walk and done some a lot of work but for some reason I was just feeling really uncomfortable and then I woke up about an hour later and I was freezing and I thought uh oh <laughs> that's why I had the body aches so I had some chills I definitely had a headache had some light and sound sensitivity and I don't know exactly where it came from but I rested as much as I could um, did some, you know, light school work uh, with the kids and made sure that I took care of my physical needs, drinking lots of tea and taking vitamins and doing all the things that I know I'm supposed to do. And thankfully it passed pretty quickly. So it just brought to mind, you know, I'm seeing all these people around me that are getting sick and it's that time of year where the seasons are changing and kids are going back to school and so there's definitely more opportunity, especially as the temperature is dropping and our bodies are adapting to this new season for people to get sick. And so that's why I decided to focus on that for today. And I'm going to try my very best to keep this as simple as possible because I, I definitely geek out on the science around how our bodies work and I could definitely take this opportunity to talk about all the things that are involved in beginning to face an infection and how our bodies handle that. But I know that you guys are busy and I want to make sure you have the tools you need in your hands to address these things. So we're gonna just cut right to the chase and talk about what you can do to prevent illness for you and your family. Now we know that there are a lot of physical things, practical things that we can do to prevent illness. And that does include washing our hands, which of course is very important. We also know that we do need to be careful about how much sleep we're getting, especially as our schedules are getting busier and we're get often getting up earlier in the morning. We need to make sure we're going to bed on time and getting good quality sleep so that our bodies can be rejuvenated and ready to go the next day. We also know that sun is really important and that's another aspect of why the fall is a very common time to get sick because 
Now the angle of the sun is changing. We're not getting as much sun exposure. We're not going outside as much. And so we're not getting that vitamin D. We're not getting the fresh air as much. We're probably not taking as deep of breaths because we're focusing more on the work that has to get done. And our stress might also be increased because there's a lot of things to keep us busy and to, um, to focus our energy and our attention on. And so those are each a, you know, a few areas that we can make sure that we're addressing and so we're not um, leaving any loopholes for our immune system to be overly stressed and overworked. Another couple of areas that um, you know might seem um, obvious would be making sure to avoid taking in too much sugar. So um, avoiding or limiting processed foods and making sure that you're still getting a wide variety of colors in your diet, plenty of citrus and leafy greens, um, things that are gonna support your immune system. And then one thing that is maybe less well known but is still very important is to make sure that the humidity level in your house is at least 50%. Now where I live right now, that's not an issue. My house right now is more like 85, 90% 90 humidity um, because it's just, uh, we, we keep the windows open and we have this constant airflow, which we love, but it also means that our house is gonna be just as humid as it is outside. And so thankfully, that means that flu viruses are not going to survive very well in our, in our home. And so if you have your home kept at 50% or higher, then the flu viruses are not going to live as easily or as long in that environment. Come winter time, that might be a bit more of a challenge. So th doing things like putting a pot full of water on your wood stove or keeping a humidifier going in the bedrooms will help to cut down on that dryness that can be very agitating to the lungs and also help to support those viruses that we don't want. All right, so when it comes to herbs, there are two that get a lot of attention when it comes to fighting viruses that I would like to pause on before we continue. And the first is elderberries and the second is echinacea. So a lot of people in the past few years especially have been working with elderberry syrup. It's very popular, it's very tasty. It's a great way to support your immune system that's very tasty, easy to get kids to take. Um, and then echinacea is in a lot of immune supporting teas, very easy to access. It's at the grocery store, it's well researched. So there's a lot of information around these two plants in particular. Uh, that we know that they can be very helpful. However, <laughs> and you probably heard there was a but coming there, they may not be appropriate for supporting a person's immune system unless they are actually faced with a virus. So here's what happens. There are a wide variety of chemical components in every plant, and these help to make the you know these are the constituents that help to support our immune systems but they don't they're not all equal they're not all the same and some are more stimulating than others so elderberry elder the tree and the berries they produce the reason they help the immune system is because they actually disable the viruses and prevent them from reproducing so this means that it actually really works well when you are taking it because there is 
a virus already present or you're in the early stages of a virus. Echinacea works by increasing the white blood cell production in your body. So this is really helpful when a person has a low white blood cell count naturally or they are at the beginning of an infection and they really need to boost up their white blood cell production to face the oncoming pathogen. Both of these plants are very stimulating. So when you take them, they tell your immune system, hey, watch out, there is a virus coming and we need to pay attention and be on our guard. But if there is not a virus there, all it's doing is keeping our immune systems activated so that they are extra alert and paying attention to what's going on. Unfortunately, this means that your immune system doesn't get a break. And so if it's constantly on guard, that means that when you're actually faced with a virus, you might not actually handle it as well as you could. So I definitely like to keep both of these plants in my stock, in my medicine cabinet, but I reserve them for when either one of my children or I have been exposed to a virus or we begin showing symptoms. And right at that beginning is the best time to take those two plants. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing we can do to prevent the illness from happening. And very often, we don't even need to take out the elderberry or the echinacea because we've already handled it with these other, a little bit less stimulating plants. In order to choose herbs for prevention, the first thing we actually need to do is look at the nature of the illness. Viral infections like a cold environment, whereas bacterial inf infections like a hot envi environment. So when a person has a virus, they start getting chills. Their pores start closing up. And then their body says, oh, we need to trigger a fever to heat up that virus and cook it and basically just burn it out. Whereas with a bacterial infection, very often bacteria will intentionally trigger inflammation, which is heat, in a localized area because that helps to break down tissue so they can eat it. Okay, so they actually really like it when it's hot, but the viruses really like it when it's cold. So today we're really looking at illness prevention, which is referring to viral infections, the ones that we can catch from people. And so the important thing to do is make sure that our bodies are an environment where they are not conducive to supporting viruses. And this is especially important for someone who has a naturally cold tissue state because their body is going to be uh, ready to go and primed for that virus, which we definitely don't want. So all of the herbs that we would look at for illness prevention, for preventing a virus, are going to be herbs that do one of a few things. First of all, they're going to be warming and stimulating. We want to get the blood flowing. We want to get nutrients where they need to go. We want to keep fluids moving. Remember, we also have the lymphatic fluids, which are sort of like the disposal system in our bodies. They get rid of dead bacteria. They get rid of dead white blood cells. And if they're not moving, we're gonna have a congestion of virus hanging out in a certain area. So we wanna keep all the fluids moving. So they're warming circulatory herbs. And these also are usually aromatic. 
So aromatic as in you can smell them. They have a very strong potency to them. They also are, you know, plants that uh, we often extract essential oils from. Essential oils are the aromatic properties of the plant. And so anything that you can extract an essential oil from is also likely to be helpful in this case, which is why essential oils can be great when you put them in a diffuser. They can really help to shorten the length. Many of them can really help to shorten the length of any virus. So these are warming, they're stimulating, they're circulatory, they're aromatic. They also do a couple other things. These are, <coughs> excuse me, plants that we would want to look for. Number one is diaphoretic. Diaphoretic explains the function of a plant where it helps to open the skin. And when I say open the skin, what that means is to open up the pores so that heat can evaporate, heat can leave the body. If we close those pores, we become a closed system where we're not interacting with our environment enough and our bodies have a harder time managing the temperature and we also are not sweating out toxins. So one of the key things here is that not only are we warming and circulating and stimulating and getting things moving, but we also need the toxins to escape. We need them to escape through our mouths and we need them to escape through our skin and we need them to escape when we use the bathroom. Diaphoretics are among those herbs that help to move fluids and also help toxins to escape through our skin. Along that same line, any kind of respiratory herbs, things that are aromatic and stimulate the lungs in particular, will also help us to breathe out toxins. And then also we want herbs that are going to be mild laxatives. Now some people don't have a problem with going to the bathroom enough, but many people in this country are constipated and if a person has a naturally cold tissue state, they're also going to be constipated most likely. And a mild laxative may actually be called for because again, we want to keep things moving out of our bodies so that we can let go of these toxins. And oftentimes, if we can create this environment, these toxins will be released before we even know that we were facing an illness in the first place. And um, so, and also the other thing is a lot of these are very nutritive. And so we can also benefit from many of the vitamins and minerals and other phyto properties, phytochemicals that will be very supportive to our immune systems. So what are some of these aromatic, warming, diaphoretic plants? <laughs> well, good question. All right, so you've probably seen recipes out there for fire cider. Fire cider got a lot of attention in the past few years because there was this legal dispute where uh, there was a historical recipe shared for fire cider, which a certain company claimed, and then other people decided that they didn't have the right to claim it, and it became this large legal dispute. Um, I think there, the phrase was free the fire cider. Well, fire cider, if you look up a recipe, you'll notice that it's, it has lots of hot, spicy, aromatic, stimulating plants in it. Uh, lots of roots like horseradish, garlic, onions, pepper, hot peppers, 
things like that that are all very stimulating. Fire cider is actually a very wonderful way, very tasty way, especially if you like hot and spicy, to get those fluids moving and, and to support the immune system without overstimulating it. But you can actually work with each of those individually. So if you like horseradish sauce, great. The, you know, the more natural, the better, obviously. Um, garlic is one of my absolute favorites and there are many ways to work with garlic. It's just food. So if you're getting it into your system on a regular basis, then that's perfect. You can make honey garlic, you can make pickled garlic, you can add garlic to your food. Yes, you can take it in capsules, um, but really it's just a fun way to spice up your food and know that you're also supporting your immune system at the same time. Ginger is also a common ingredient in fire cider, and ginger is another one of those that you can work with by itself. Again, lots of awesome recipes out there. You can also make tea with it. Some people like to make uh, or buy candied ginger, which is another great way of getting it, um, crystallized dried ginger. I personally have a hard time with the taste of ginger, which everybody in my family can tell you all about, but I still recognize that it has a great value and even I will drink ginger tea if I need to. <laughs> Uh, but garlic is a great alternative and both have very similar properties. Uh, you know, you also have culinary herbs that have a heating, stimulating, opening effect. And those would include herbs like oregano, thyme, rosemary. Uh, you know, um, there's also some spices like uh, cloves and, you know, again, adding ginger and onion uh, paprika, cayenne, any of those uh, spiced, you know, spices in powder form are also great to add to your food. Now, the cool thing is you can actually make tea out of these as well. So if you have a tea bag, you can put many of these powdered herbs into a tea bag and put that in a mug and pour some hot water over that and prepare that as you would a tea. You will have a little bit of powder that leaks out of the bag and so you might have a little bit of grittiness to your tea, but it's still going to give you a really uh, good punch if you need it, if you feel like you've been exposed or you just want something really warming to comfort you on a cool fall day. But again, you can also work with these in tea form. And so I'll do both. I work with them in tea as needed. Uh, thyme is one that I also like to work with as a steam. So. You know, this is something some herbalists were really highlighting as, a, as an option that if you've been exposed to an illness or, you know, you've just been out and about in town and you have no idea who you might have come in contact with, you've been around people who are coughing or anything like that, you can do a steam where you would basically prepare a tea with the thyme in a bowl and then make a tent over your head in the bowl and really breathe in that steam and that will disinfect your lungs and help to kill off, you know, any kind of pathogens that might have come in. So those are some of the more stimulating ones and I'm definitely not naming all of them, but they are things that you can choose from and you can kind of follow that trail there and pick through what's in your culinary cabinet. So along the same lines with diaphoretics and those opening stimulating circulatory herbs, one of my very favorite is yarrow. 
Yarrow grows in many fields and along edges of woods. And if you happen to have some growing in your area, you may enjoy uh, drying that and dehyd you know, dehydrating it and preparing it for winter tea. It's a little bit past season right now. You might be able to find some green leaves left, uh, but I like to get it during the summer when the flowers are at their peak. And uh, you know, you can also purchase some online or at a uh, local herbal shop or at uh, you know, a local natural food store. And so I have it in dried and tincture form. And you know, this one, you could, you could, there could be a possible um, debate over this, whether it would be more effective to take this as a preventative or at the early onset of um, an infection. Yarrow serves, uh, is very helpful in a lot of ways. So a lot of people take yarrow for issues that are not related to their immune system. And so they may actually be taking it on a regular basis and be getting the benefit of the Yarrow's immune supportive benefits alongside the reason that they're already working with it. But um, if you are not normally working with Yarrow, it would also be helpful as that stimulating diaphoretic uh, at the early onset of a cold or other virus, partially because it really has a strong action on the blood and the fluids and getting things moving, and partially because it does help to open the skin and help to regulate temperature in the body. And uh, it, it also does have some very strong antiviral and antibacterial properties as well. So then we have herbs that are known to be rich in vitamin C and other flavonoids that are really helpful from a nutritive perspective in supporting the immune system. And those would include um, berries like rose hips, uh, schizandra and hawthorn are also quite rich in vitamin C, but rose hips actually have more vitamin C than any other fruit that we know of. So rose hips are an excellent way to work, you know, an excellent plant to work with for immune support. And it's also really great for kids too, because, you know, again, we're looking at gentle plants that are more nutritive and supportive that you would consider food. And, um, you know, because rose hips are very tasty, it's also easier to get kids to drink the tea or eat food that has been flavored with dried ground rose hips. A couple other options that are really great for nutritive value and are supportive to the immune system include nasturtium and lemon balm. Nasturtium is also quite high in vitamin C. We work with the flowers. I usually put it into a tea. It tastes very, very good. And then lemon balm is not only, uh, you know, okay, so all of these plants are not only helpful for the immune system. I just want to clarify that all of these plants have very helpful benefits for a variety of different things. And one of the reasons that I like lemon balm for a virus or prevention, prevention of a virus is because it's also supportive of the nervous system. And the nervous system is directly related to temperature regulation and how the brain, how the hormones, how the, the white blood cells respond to a virus. So if you're trying to work on stress reduction, trying to improve your sleep, you know, trying to reduce anxiety, all of those things which will negatively impact your immune system, lemon balm will help to chill out those systems so that they can more effectively address 
supporting your immune system when it needs to happen. And it also tastes really great, so it's great for the kids as well. Uh, very gentle, safe for almost everybody. Um, and so nasturtium and lemon balm are really great alongside rose hips. And you could even combine those into a really nice tasting tea. And so then I have just a couple other specific herbs that I would like to mention. And these are more along the adaptogen side. So I haven't mentioned the adaptogens yet in this episode, but they are also very important because adaptogens help the body to be resilient to all kinds of stress. They help the body on a cellular level to handle any kind of pathogens that might be coming in and help to detox the body of old cells and junk that's been built up over time so that it has room and energy to be able to address potential pathogens coming in. And two things in particular, although all adaptogens would likely be helpful here, are astragalus and mushrooms. And I know mushrooms is its own category, but really there are a lot of mushrooms that can fall into this um, category of adaptogenic support of the immune system. Astragalus is a plant whose root has been shown to prevent illness. And a lot of people actually use this to prevent bacterial infections too, as in contracting Lyme disease. Astragalus is, is like, um, it's been compared to the sentinel on the wall. So it stands guard and it says, you may not pass anytime that a potential pathogen comes up to the gate. If, however, a pathogen does manage to come in, it's actually appropriate to switch from astragalus to something like echinacea or elderberry. Because once the pathogens have made it past the gate, if they have, the sentinels also have a hard time letting those pathogens back out again. So taking a break from the astragalus would be appropriate. But astragalus is safe, again, for most people, including children. Uh, it's a great option for families to take alongside their vitamin C or their multivitamins throughout the winter. And then for mushrooms, you have things like reishi and cordyceps and lion's mane and maitake and shiitake. Um, there's so, so many of them. Reishi has been very well studied for its impact on the immune system, cordyceps as well, specifically around COVID as well. Uh, you know, I work a lot with lion's mane for nervous system support. So any of these, if you have access to any of these, definitely uh, take those into consideration. And something else that's really cool about mushrooms is that when you put them in the sun, they absorb vitamin D at a very high rate. So you can actually replace a vitamin D supplement in most cases by sun drying your mushrooms and then eating them. Cool fact there. All right, so for a prevention dose, most herbs and all of the ones that I have mentioned, it would be appropriate to drink one to three cups of tea a day. And a cup of tea is made with one to three teaspoons of the plant material with near boiling water poured over and simmered for several minutes or brewed for several minutes. If you are working with dried berries or a root, they really should brew for much longer or even be decocted. So in this case, if for example, if you're working with rose hips, 
you might want to put it into a mason jar, pour the near boiling water over, close the cover on top, and then let it sit for 20 or 30 minutes before you release the cover so that you're really getting a nice strong um, blend with those rose hips because they're so hard they need some time to really release their chemical constituents. And then the same with roots. They're sturdy, they're starchy, and they need time to break down. Decocting means that you actually simmer them on the stove. So you'd put a little extra water than you would normally use for a cup of tea and the same amount of plant material and you would simmer that in a small pot for about 20 minutes before you turn off the, the water. Okay, so if uh, you're taking a tincture form of a medicine or an herbal medicine as a prevention, um, some people like to do one to three full droppers, but I work with smaller doses in most cases and I would actually recommend about half a dropper and this would apply to adults as well as children in most cases. So for, you know, typical doses, you'd be looking at maybe um, maybe as little as five to 10 drops for a child. So if you're talking about a very small child and I'm talking about over the age of two, I do not usually recommend any kind of herbs for children under the age of two. Uh, you're still looking at that five to 10 drop range and maybe as much as 15 for adults. So it's really not that much and you would do that once a day. If you start to become ill, at that point, I would make a quart of tea and sip it over the course of the day or do three to five drops of tincture every waking hour so that you get a steady stream of these herbal constituents, these phyto properties throughout the day to support your immune system. So if you do find yourself exposed to a virus or you begin feeling one coming on, that's the best time to address it right away so that you can, you can ramp up the same herbs that we've already talked about, or you can work with the immune stimulants like the elderberry syrup or echinacea tea, or you can focus on specific symptoms. So for example, example if your lungs tend to be a little bit weaker, or if you notice that your skin gets sensitive when you get a virus, or you have a sore throat, or you get body aches right down to your bone. These are all very different symptoms, and there are a number of herbs that can be focused on specifically for each of those symptoms. But in general, if you just wanna keep it basic, look for those warming, stimulating, aromatic herbs that are gonna open up the pathways and allow things to move through and out so that you can pass those pa the pathogens as easily and quickly as possible. This is a really great place to start, but if you feel like you need some extra support in prevention of illness, if you have a history of handling illnesses where they uh, you know, exhibit certain symptoms or someone in your family has a pre-existing condition that you're concerned about them getting sick and having it be more serious, you can certainly reach out for an appointment and we can customize an illness prevention plan for you. And all you need to do is send an email to laureltreewellness at gmail.com and we'll have a conversation to see how we can best support you and your family. I also wanna remind you all that the celebration gathering is coming up in just a few weeks on October 2nd, which is a Sunday. 
and we're going to be hosting that at Cornerstone Wellness Center in Auburn, Maine to celebrate Laurel Tree Wellness's fifth birthday as well as some other awesome things happening this year. And you can learn more about that by visiting www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your loved ones and leave a rating. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You have the right and responsibility to make all health-related decisions for your own life. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family and leave a review. Thank you for listening.